So you either have an elevated PSA or already been diagnosed with prostate cancer and you don't know what to ask. Sometimes you're not even asking the right questions. Today, I'm going to give you three things that you absolutely must ask your urologist in prostate cancer or elevated PSA. Let's go. Welcome to the Dr. Geo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Geo, where it is my intention to help you with your urological function and how to live better with age. Today, we're going to talk about the three things you must ask your urologist as it relates to prostate cancer. Here's the deal. If you don't ask the right questions, <laughs> you're not going to get the right answers. It's that simple. The better questions you ask, the better answers you will get. And that's what it comes down to. The other thing is, they don't have a lot of time with you. So you have to be prepared with your questions. If you're lucky, you have 15 minutes. Some other times you may have 20 minutes. It depends on where you are and medical regulations and <laughs> the system that they have in place. But typically, urologists have... They see 20, 30 patients a day, and they can't really spend a whole lot of time with you. And they're going to give you the information that you need, but probably not more than that. And sometimes more information is important and better so that you can make a decision. Look, the goal is for you to be a proactive participant in your own healthcare, right? This is not a scenario where you just say, okay, doc, whatever you want, uh, whatever you want to do, I'm good with. No, this is not that. You have to be proactive in your own healthcare. And that comes with asking the right questions. All right. So, question number one, okay. And there's two scenarios potentially. Right? There's the scenario of my PSA is high. Do I need a biopsy? And then the other scenario, as it relates to prostate cancer, is I know I have prostate cancer. Then what do I do? So, I'll break that down for you in two ways. Okay. In the scenario where, okay, my PSA is high and no one, if you've listened to my previous episode with Dr. Weissach on biopsies, <laughs> right, no one wakes up in the morning, you know, anxious, uh, or they wake up anxious, but not wanting necessarily a biopsy or looking forward to it, right? So you only want a biopsy, a prostate biopsy, if you absolutely need it, okay? So the first question you want to ask is, Outside of PSA, and I know my PSA is elevated, Dr. Jones, what else can we do to determine if I absolutely need a biopsy? Are there any other tests? Uh, is there a urine test? Is there a blood test? Is there another blood test that's more specific and sensitive to prostate cancer? And actually, those are good terms to use. Other tests that are specific and sensitive to prostate cancer better than the PSA test. What else can we do? Okay. To determine if we absolutely need a biopsy. Um, what kind of imaging should we get? Should we get an MRI of the pelvic area? Which the answer should be yes. At this point, we have enough data to support that, right? So that's the first question. Do I absolutely need a biopsy? And what are the other tests that we need to determine if that's absolutely the case? 
I had a case recently, for example, of this, you know, he's a young guy. He's only 47 years old. And I would say no one wants a you know, biopsy, either 57 or 67. But typically younger guys under the age of 50, they, they, they're trying to run away. They, they don't even want a digital rectal exam, nonetheless, a probe with a needle that's going to go right into their prostate, right? So recently, we had a patient 47 years old who had, you know, a pretty high PSA. He had uh, his PSA was 4.2 for his age is pretty high and elevated. But it turns out that he also had a very big prostate. And it turns out that we did a, things like a PSA density test, which for that particular calculation, you do need a an imaging that tells you, yeah, the prostate is however big. And then you do a calculation where you divide the total PSA over the size of the prostate and you get a score. And if that's cutoff is 0.15, if it's lower than 0.15, there is less likelihood that you need a biopsy. Again, there's no definite test, whether it's a PSA density or a PSA. So this particular gentleman it showed that it had a, a PSA density of less than 0.15. It actually was 0.05. So that means that his elevated PSA is likely due to just an enlarged prostate. So, okay, we checked that one off. Then we did what's called an exosome urine test that showed that there's very little likelihood of him having important prostate cancer, or prostate cancer that can be a problem. And then he had an MRI, his PIRAD score, which is the pyrex score goes from one to five. The higher that score, the more likelihood of there being prostate cancer there. That's significant. That was a two. So I felt very comfortable with this guy. I tell him, look, I, I don't think you need a prostate biopsy. So these are the kinds of things you want to ask your urologist. What else is there? If you have already been diagnosed with prostate cancer, whatever the Gleason score, let's just say you're diagnosed, you want to ask, what are the treatments that are available outside the treatments that you do? So if he's likely a prostate surgeon, he removes the prostate, what are the treatments that I'm a candidate for that's not prostate surgery? Is it radiation therapy? And they're probably going to say, well, you know, you need to see a radiation oncologist. What else is out there that it's not related to a radiation oncologist? Things like HIFU and proton beam radiation and things like that. I'll say this, okay? Your doctors are humans. <laughs> and within that, there's an inherent uh, bias. So yes, when you're thinking, God, I see all these urologists and all they want to do is take out my prostate. Absolutely. Yeah, they become really, really good at this. And, a, and they're so skillful and, art, and it's such an art to do that surgery, and absolutely they want to remove your prostate. But I think that most of them want to remove it if you absolutely needed to be removed. That's been my experience working with many of these amazing uh, urologists and surgeons. So, and they think absolutely that they're the, the best at it, as they should. You want a little, a little ego from your potential prostate surgeon. Like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, I've done so many of these. So, what else is out there? What are the treatments? And what are the treatments that are available for me? For me with exactly what I have, okay? And along the lines with, I'm diagnosed, what do I do? Am I a candidate for active surveillance? Am I a candidate for active surveillance? Active surveillance is no medical treatment necessary until, you know, and we'll keep evaluating you and monitoring you, right? 
And active surveillance is uh, many people are a candidate for that once they're diagnosed. So that's the first question to ask. The second question to ask in a scenario where you've already been diagnosed with prostate cancer is, Dr. Jones, how many of these have you done? And what is your success rate as it relates to urinary incontinence and erectile dysfunction? Now, I'll tell you a little secret, and this is, <laughs> this is not a knock on uh, urological surgeons. They all exaggerate their numbers, okay? They all exaggerate. So how many have you done? Oh, I've done 1,000. I don't know. I'll reduce that by 10, 10 20%. So maybe you've done 800, which is still a good number. It's still a, a very good number. How successful are you with, you know, after surgery with guys with ED? You know, how often do they get their erections back? Oh, 70% get their erections back. Unlikely. Unlikely. That 70% of eight out of 800 patients have gotten their erections back. Unlikely. So if, if, if the numbers sound too good to be true, it's likely too good to be true. Again, this is not a knock on the doctor or the surgeon, okay? It's just kind of inherent to, you know, I'm the best at this. And and I don't know that they follow their numbers that closely. I, I don't. I think I always say I've seen, I don't know, 4,000 patients with prostate cancer, but maybe it's 6,000 or maybe it's 3,000. I, I, don't, I don't really know. So, you know, this is just, but if the numbers are high, then, you know, even if it's a little bit higher than what it really is, it's good. If you're going to go the surgical route, you do want the most experienced surgeon, period, end of story. So you ask them, post-diagnosis, how many have you done? What's your success rate with urinary incontinence and erectile dysfunction? Okay. The third question that you want to ask, this is post-diagnosis. Okay, so you already have prostate cancer, is how's the aftercare in your department? Everyone is going to tell you, yeah, the aftercare is great. We have great nurses and, right, the aftercare is great. But, you know, intuition matters here. So you're going to get a good sense if you're going to do the surgery with this particular urologist or not by how he or she answers that question, okay? Uh, because it should be detailed. So I get the surgery after I come back to remove the catheter how does that process work? And then after the catheter gets removed, I see you how often and, you know, and things like that. And by the way, if, if their particular office is not that organized, you're going to know right before you, know, you make even the initial appointment because that matters. You want a callback. You want, you, know, you want a callback. You want the surgeon or somebody from his staff to respond to, to your questions. Okay? So... And if you've seen a radiation oncologist, the same thing. How many have you done? What's the success rate? Okay. What are the side effects from your type of radiation? I've read what's on the internet and there's like 12 side effects. What are the side effects that you see most that, you know what, there's, if you're going to have anything, it's going to be this. Because I know in my practice, there are many side effects that people read on the internet about hormone therapy, radiation therapy, and all these things. And I don't see most of it. So I let them know, no, what you're going to see is what you're really going to experience is A, B, and C. Forget about all the others. People on hormone therapy and androgen deprivation therapy, I don't, my patients, maybe because they follow the natural protocols that I prescribe to them, 
They do not develop metabolic syndrome. They do not necessarily get weaker. Their bones stay strong, but they do experience erectile dysfunction and hot flashes. Absolutely. But all the other things that you read on the internet from, at least in my practice, they don't see. I don't see. So there's things that are reported as side effects and adverse events, and there's things that are very common. You want to know what's very common. And those are the three things post-diagnosis. Pre-diagnosis is you just want to make sure you don't, you don't get an unnecessary biopsy. That's the main thing, right? You don't want to get an unnecessary biopsy. You want to get it only if you absolutely need it. And you want to know that the infection rate is about 3%, 1 to 3%, and, and that's it. We've talked about prostate biopsies in the past and on drgeo.com, which I do recommend. You got to sign up. Only my subscribers, they get the goods. But my podcast audience does too. But sign up to drgeo.com because if something comes up, new research, new information that you need to know about so that you can be a proactive participant in your own healthcare, sign up to drgeo.com. I'm going to end with this. Medicine and science is not linear. You want it to be linear. You just got this diagnosis. You want to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. Just do this. And once you do that particular treatment, everything's going to be this way or fine. Or It's not linear. It's a little bit gray. Medicine is gray, is a gray zone, and science is a gray zone. I'm oftentimes asked, should I record the meeting with my doctor? Your doctor is going to say, yeah, sure, you can record it. I don't recommend that you do. I don't recommend that you record that. But Dr. Gio, what, what is there? Are they hiding something? Are, everybody wants to think that doctors are, not everybody, some people want to think doctors are bad people, they're evil, and I get it. I get it. Some are have low integrity, non-ethical, but the majority are actually very good and they do care about you. So it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that if they're being recorded, they may not tell you other things that are not 100% scientific, but that is important for you to know, right? Little opinions that they have, which their opinion matters. They may not say it. Why? We live in a litigious society. No one wants to get sued, right? So... You don't want to record the meeting, but you want to have somebody else, if you can, taking notes, okay? Because it's difficult for you to take notes. First of all, I don't know what it is. Guys who are diagnosed with prostate cancer can't take notes. They, can, they don't even, sometimes they struggle with listening to certain details that are important. So yeah, I get why you would want to record the meeting, but have somebody else there is actually taking good notes because the details are important. But I know that there are times where a doctor, a physician just wants to tell a patient, look, you're going to do great and you are gonna, you know, you're going to live a long time from this. They want to tell you that. But if it's being recorded because we don't know, they may not say something that's encouraging and inspirational. Let's just say. Okay. And I think that's important. So don't record it. Um, that's, my, that's my advice. And that's it. Those are your three tips. When you go to see your urologist with a high PSA or already diagnosed, this is what you do. This is what you do. 
I trust that this information is helpful. And look, if you've already been diagnosed or if you have a high PSA, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. This is an opportunity for you to live an even better life moving forward. So take it as a opportunity. Take it as an, uh, a blessing, if you will, to thrive after that particular scenario, diagnosis, or elevated PSA. This is Dr. Gio signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Dr. Geo podcast. You can watch all episodes of this podcast and much more by subscribing to my YouTube channel on youtube.com forward slash Geo Espinoza ND. If you love what you heard today, you can help by leaving a five-star review of the podcast on Apple and Spotify, as each review helps us reach more men who are serious about improving their urological health and how to function better with age. And for the latest research and actionable takeaways in the world of men's health and integrative urology, sign up for my newsletter at drgeo.com. I'll see you next time. And now for a brief disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only, and we're not forming a doctor-patient relationship through this medium. The use of the information and all links associated with this podcast is at the listener's risk and is not to replace medical advice from a physician or a healthcare practitioner. Lastly, Thoughts and opinions related to this podcast are my own and may not reflect the views of any institution or organization I'm associated with.